Um, well, anyway, welcome to Cheney Faith Center. My name is Pastor Cooper. Uh, I'm the associate pastor here. A lot of times I'm helping out with worship, either playing or leading music. Every once in a while, I'll be up here to speak. So I'm honored to have the, 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 the platform this morning just to share um, just from my heart what God's been stirring in my heart throughout this study. And this morning, I'm going to be talking about this, this, this question or this statement of, I choose God. So within this series, I Am a Christian, we have some different statements that we're unpacking. This morning, we're going to have a conversation about this statement of, I choose God, and meaning how in life, there's a lot of different influences that can come in our life, but we as Christians choose God over what the world offers. That choosing God is greater than what the world has to offer, and so as Christians, we choose God. Now, I also want to talk to, maybe you're on the fence about this whole Christian thing and this whole Jesus thing. I want to encourage you and challenge you to lean into today's conversation because hopefully by the end of it, you will see that our lives are designed to live with God and to live with God as the number one in our life and the number one in our heart. And that's where true fulfillment comes. And so I want to challenge Christians, but also those who are just kind of still on the fence and just kind of diving in a little bit to what it means to live a life like Christ or maybe not at all quite yet. And so I want to challenge both those audiences this morning. Um, but as a quick reminder, we're in the, the, uh, the book of First John. Um, this is our series based in First John. And the way he wrote this letter to the early church was kind of in thoughts that just circulated throughout the chapters. So he didn't write it in a very chronological way of like chapter one, it's all about love. Chapter two is like all about sin. Chapter three is all about this. It was essentially multiple thoughts that would just keep coming up throughout his letter. And that's why this morning, I'm gonna kind of bounce a little bit throughout the book of 1 John, just hitting on how he is bringing this theme up of choosing God and really living in what God has designed, the life that he's designed for us. Um, and with this letter and the context, he is writing to the early church. So about 2,000 years ago is when this was written. And the early church had some growing pains. Um, there was some people starting to deviate from the original gospel message that was first started with the early, early church. There were some people saying like, well, God's not really God. And he didn't really rise from the dead. He didn't really do this. He didn't really do what he said he did. I don't know. And so um, what John is doing is like, hold the phone. Let's get back on track. And here is the gospel truth. And so he writes this letter in some fairly strong language and it's fairly black and white. Either you're in or you're not. But that being said, there is also room for us in 2019 to take the truths that he writes way back when to apply it to our lives here in 2019. Because even back then, there was some gray areas in their culture, right? But I think even so much more here in 2019, there's some gray areas. So how do you take something that's super black and white and how do you bring that into our context into 2019? I think today as we converse on this and unpack this, I think we'll see where John's heart is and where God's heart is within this section of scripture. And so reminder, two weeks ago, Mark started us off with the statement, I believe in Jesus. 
So as Christians, we confess Christ. And then last week, um, Mark, Pastor Mark talked about how as Christians, we have the spirit of God within us. The spirit of God is what leads us into truth. It testifies of the truth. And he had that great analogy that I loved last week about um, farmers and fields and boulders, where a lot of times in our life, there might be a boulder or like an issue in our life. We try to like handle it on our own. And our little like hand trowel can't pick up like a 10-ton boulder, right? It's just like impossible. We need the Holy Spirit to dig those things out of our lives. We can bring them to God, repent of that, confess of that, and find forgiveness in that. So today we're going to be talking about this, this idea of choosing God. So let's, let's pray this morning, then we're going to dive in. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for just your plan for our lives, your design for our lives that you have things much greater than what we can even ever imagine. So Holy Spirit, open our eyes this morning, open our hearts this morning to hear from you so that we can know you, grow in you, and go for you. Jesus, be a part of this whole discussion. Let it be your words, not my words. And um, God, we just give you all the glory. Amen. All right, so I'm going to start off this morning with actually the very last verse in the book of 1 John. So if you have your Bible with you, if you have an iBible, um, go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. I'm going to read from the NLT and then also from the Passion Translation. Uh, but it says this in 1 John 5, 21. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Or the ESV says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. But dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Now, in context of this verse, right above it, John's kind of summarizing a lot of his theological thoughts. And it almost seems he just like adds this last phrase in there like, hey, by the way, like, dear children, uh, don't let anything take your heart, like take God's place in, 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 uh, in your heart. It's kind of like, is this an add-on? No, I really believe this is the core of John's heart for this letter. This is like the main theme is saying like, hey, life is tough. There's some influences that want to take you away, but choose God. Like choose God, choose how you were designed to live so choose God. So our first point I want us to dialogue on this morning is this, is recognize there is competition for our hearts. Recognize there is competition for our hearts. When John wrote this, he's writing to the early church about 2,000 years ago. And in their culture, there was competition. There was influence of, of, of different religious sects and, and different idols and things that wanted to pull people away from living a life in Christ. They understood that. They were like, yeah, there's lots of different idols and things that people are trying to pull you into. And I think we could even say in 2019, there's a lot of influences that are trying to pull us away from living a life that truly honors God kind of a 24-7 mentality here in our culture, right? So the world is a competitive place. Everyone's trying to get you to be influenced in some way 
or another to think a certain way or act a certain way. Um, back in the day, if they had a political belief or religious belief or some type of thing, and when they would tweet, they would actually send a little bird out, right? And like, you know, no, I don't know if they would do that. But in our, in our current culture, there are so many like messages just being thrown out there from Twitter, Instagram, whatever social media platform. Driving down the road, we can get inundated with so many billboards and whatever it is. According to a recent study by Forbes magazine, the average American is exposed between 4,000 and 10,000 messages a day, depending on how much they actually engage with technology and social media. That's a lot. On the low end, around 4,000. High end, 10,000 messages are being spoken to you as individuals to try to get you to believe in something, trying to get your heart to maybe be influenced to buy that product or do this or do that or say yes to this, whatever it might be. There are a lot of forces out there trying to say, this thing is the best thing and you need to put your heart fully on fire for that thing. It kind of reminds me of the old Folgers commercial. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. The best part of waking up is Folgers. I got to pray for you first off because there's better <laughs> coffee. Now I say that because my dad used to sell Folgers for 19 years. So we had like free Folgers growing up like my whole life. So I kind of like Folgers. But the best part of waking up is not a cup of coffee. Yeah, it can be good. It's knowing that we're living another day in the grace and freedom of, of Jesus. Now we get to respond in that and tell others about that. That's the best thing is we have another day. But our culture has so many messages that you should do X, Y, Z so you have the best life the best marriage, the best kids, best education. You go down the road and just list out a ton of things. But I think we can come to a conclusion that there is a lot of influences vying for our attention, right? And to say that I don't fall into that would be a lie because I have and I, and, and, and I do and I have to reevaluate a lot of like, man, am I putting that before God? Because in our inside nature, is our flesh. Our flesh wants. Our flesh desires things that are away from the Lord, but also desires things that is just for us and just kind of me-centered. And I believe that's why capitalism works so well in our societies, because it's really based on wanting the latest, greatest, newest, bestest, whatever it is, right? You get an iPhone, two months later, there's a new one. You're like, my iPhone sucks. Like, I want, I want this new one. So it's really built on that. It's kind of built on that human nature of there's something better, something greater. I want, I want, I need, I need mine, mine, now, now, right? That's kind of how our, we're a little bit intrinsically with our sin nature there. So the, the world has lots of influences and there is competition for our hearts. So now what John's gonna start to unpack here, we're gonna go to 1 John chapter two, verses 15 through 17, is, is how do we now, knowing that there are competition, competitions for our heart, how do we navigate this in our life? How do we live through this? So in verse 15, it says this in 1 John chapter two, don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. 
For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance, none of these things come from the Father, but from the world. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away. But those who love to do the will of God live forever. Now, something I want to just make a quick distinction on is what John is talking about, the love of the world. So in John's gospel, so earlier in the New Testament, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one only son. So obviously God loves the world, the, the people of the world. That's his heart. His heart is for everyone to come to the knowledge of him and to find salvation in Christ. That should also be our heart. Well, what John is talking about here is the affections of our heart towards the world and the things of this world, the material things, the things that are just passing, that have an expiration date, that don't last, that are not of God. For the world can offer us the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of things of the world, the obsession with status and importance. None of these things come from the Father, but from the world. So John is making that as the distinguishing factor. He's talking about loving the material world, the things that it offers. And they really don't offer much, but just a quick hit, just a quick, simple gratification in that moment. Nothing that lasts beyond that. They're all just passing by. But what God offers when we do the will of the Father is life forever, life everlasting. And we find hope and fulfillment in this. Now, what we could do is list out a bunch of items or things that would fall in this category of things of the world and like, don't do this, don't do that. But I don't believe that's a healthy biblical way of going about it because then it just turns into behavior control. And what I see from scripture and even in this section right here is God is after our heart not our behavior. That is God's MO. It's after our heart, not our behavior. When we just try to modify our behavior and we don't work on the heart, we might get a little bit of success, but then all of a sudden our heart takes back over and our behaviors follow where our heart is. And so if our heart is centered on God and his will and what he has for us, then our behavior just follows suit. We don't put the cart before the horse, right? So I believe that God is after our heart, not our behavior. And this section of scripture gives us a framework to live in, a framework that encourages our heart to choose God and to realign our hearts to God's perfect design of living life. And so I think it's healthy to ask, and we should be asking within our Christian life, am I choosing God? Am I choosing God? Or is my heart choosing God? Is my heart choosing God full on in all of the areas of my life? And we ask that question not in a shameful way of like, oh, I'm like the worst person. We ask that in like a healthy, like, where am I at right now? And usually the Holy Spirit is the one who kind of asks those questions in your own life. 
as the Holy Spirit starts to dig up some of those boulders in your life, and you're like, whoa, I did not realize I had this in my heart, and it was in place of God. Man, I, I need to deal with this. It's in those moments that we can take it, confess it, and God is good to forgive, 1 John 1, 9. And that's what we do as Christians, is we ask ourselves those questions, but we allow the Holy Spirit to work on us as well. So what does choosing God mean? You might be asking that question like, okay, this, this is great, but we live in kind of a gray world. And like, what does this mean in 2019 to choose God? And here's, here's what I think scripture provides for us as a platform to work in. In the ministry of Jesus, he was asked a few different times, like, what's the greatest commandment? And his answer is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So love God and love people. And so for us in our lives, in our actions, in our beliefs, in our thoughts, all those things, are they helping us love God and love people? That's what it boils down to. And if we're in situations where it's not, then that's a good time to reevaluate and say, what in my life am I placing before God that's not truly allowing me to be 100% all in and loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength, spirit, all those things. What is it? Or if I'm not able to love people, I still have hate towards some people, like what are some things in my life that I need to just reevaluate that I've placed before God's rightful place? Now again, even that could probably mean a million things to a million people. But as a reminder, as Christians, we have the spirit of God living inside of us. And like Pastor Mark talked about last week, the Holy Spirit testifies of the truth. He doesn't testify of lies. In our life, he brings us to truth. And that aligns directly with God's word. So in our life, in our actions, it's gotta line up in a couple of ways. Is the Holy Spirit bringing this up? And does it line up with scripture? Is this lining up with God's word and what the word says? And that's the framework we got to work in, we got to live in. If it doesn't line up with those things, then that's probably a huge 100% chance that that's putting your, your, your heart uh, in a place that's not good. You're putting whatever that is before God. It's got to line up in that guideline, in that framework. Now with that, our culture again has a way of slowly helping us kind of fade a little bit away from the truth 100% of the time. And even in our church world as well, a lot of times in our culture, we have a, I deserve this, I earned it, I should be, or that, would, that should have been me, um, I worked so hard, I definitely, this is mine. We kind of have this mentality. And again, that works on our inner flesh but also just in our culture where we're kind of like the self-made, you know, American dream, pick yourself up, like you got this. And that plays into this thought and this belief that I did it, that this is mine. Like I earned this, I, I deserve this. And that's a slow fade into placing that now above God, above what God has done in your life and is doing in your life. All things come in and through Jesus, not in our own work, but through God. 
And so we have to realize that there's probably a slow fade in our culture that we have to be aware of that wants to lead us down a path or a road where slowly we're gonna realize like, man, my heart has put other things before God. And to say that that happens doesn't mean like you're the worst person ever. That's just a good time to be like, I need to come to my heavenly father and have a conversation about it and repent of that. It's not like God's like, oh my gosh, like frustrated and mad. No, he welcomes you to come to him in those moments to say, this was, this was placing before you, Lord. I need, I, need, I need to confess of this and repent of that. And he's like, thank you. Like, I knew that already, <laughs> but now like, let's have that conversation and he's good to forgive. So now our focus, sometimes in that slow fade, again, can turn the idol that we have subconsciously placed higher than God as like our number one. A lot of times I feel in our culture, it comes down to people and status, is we aspire to be someone great or to have the status of someone who is a great leader or someone who makes a lot of money or has a lot of influence, whatever it might be. And I wanna say this, our culture says yes, 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 role models, set goals, all those things, and those can be good, but if those role models and goals are not pointing you towards Jesus, I would say don't have that person as your role model because they're not leading you to a life of fulfillment. They're leading you to a life of brokenness because guess what? People are broken. People are sinners. When we only look towards people, we're gonna eventually come to a point where there's brokenness because that's what we're putting our hearts set on is broken people. Even pastors, churches, did you know that every church was created by a sinner? It was. Like, don't put your heart affection towards a church or towards a pastor. Put it towards God. Choose God. Choose Jesus. Now, God will use those people, but he should use them to help point you towards God and point you towards Jesus. So people are broken, and our culture doesn't really see it that way. They say, no, like, this person's great. Like, they made so much money. Like, you should totally be like them. Like, that's your vision. Like, go for it. I would say, man, is your heart choosing God? And is that person also choosing God and using their platform to bring others into relationship with God? Are they helping others love God and love people? And that's what we have to start to work in and ask ourselves those questions. See, when, when, we, when we choose God, we place our heart for his vision and for his word, which is everlasting. And what the world provides, we just say, who cares? Like, I don't care, it has an expiration date. Like, it's, it's toast in a little bit. Like, who cares about what the world offers? A lot of times with, with my little two-year-old, my wife and I tell him to say, like, no biggie to things. Like, no biggie. Like, it's okay, like, like if a toy like breaks or something, he's just like, uh, and it's like, hey, no biggie. Like, it's okay. And he's like, yeah, no biggie. And kind of like walks off and finds something new. But I think as Christians, we should just say like, no biggie. Like, who cares what the world has to offer? Because it's not 100% fulfillment. It is just a temporary gratification that does not last. And that's what John is saying in here. He's like, those who actually do the will of the Father will live forever. That's what lasts. Everything in the world passes. It has an expiration date. It does not last. 
So why get all worked up for something that's just here for a blip on the time scale of eternity? Doesn't even show up. So John is again calling us to this design of putting God as our number one because that is what lasts. He does not have an expiration date. God is forever and ever. He has come to give us life and life to the full. That is hope and fulfillment. Uh, recently, I heard a message by a great Christian communicator named Jeff Bethke. And he had this analogy in there that I just loved. And it just kind of hit me hard. I was watching this message at, um, at home on Facebook Live. And I was like, dude, so good. And I just like loved it. I was like, I'm going to work this in somehow. And it works great for what John is saying in this section of scripture too. This is his analogy. He says this, why settle for toilet water? Why settle for toilet water? Can we just agree that drinking from a toilet is gross? Yeah? Can we just like all agree on that? Like we even tell our dogs to not drink from the toilet and they like lick themselves in places we don't want to talk about, right? Like it's gross. It's even too gross for the dog. Can drinking from a toilet be okay? Eh, maybe. If you're like in a desert, stranded, hadn't drink water for like three days, and all of a sudden the toilet just like plops down the desert, you'd be like head deep in that thing, like just lapping up the water because you're like, I need to survive, right? But when we're home, do we ever like walk by the bathroom and think like, ooh, <laughs> that toilet... Yeah, I might, I might grab a little, little tasty of that. No. We, we go to the faucet or the fridge or whatever. We get our water and we get drinking water from there. That's how it's designed. That's how it's created. When we're living a life that is either not in Jesus or is choosing other things above God, we start to be in a desert because we're allowing the world, which is the desert, to just offer some quick gratification of something that was never designed for our gratification. We go for those quick hits, and we don't realize it, but we're just in a desert drinking from a toilet. It doesn't work. It's not good. What God offers is fulfillment, and he is actually the river of life, What's so great is so John, who's writing this letter, he wrote the gospel of John and he was there in the moment when Jesus talks to a bunch of people and says, hey, come to me all who are thirsty and I will give you life. I'm the river of life. John was there, he, he recorded that down. So I know he has this in the back of his mind as he's writing this letter to the early church of just kind of like, man, like we're, you guys are missing it. Like the big picture is God is the fulfillment, not the world. Like Jesus is the river of life. That's his heart in this. And that's why he's given these warnings of like, don't choose the world because it's toilet water. Like just don't. His heart is for us to live in his design and to live how he created us to live. And that's in Christ and putting our heart affections toward Christ, that we are choosing God. So what I believe John is doing is he is calling us up to a greater life. He is not calling us out. He is calling us up 
to a greater life, a life that was designed for us by God, a life that's in him. That is where fulfillment, that is where hope flourishes. 1 John 4.4 says this, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. As Christians, we have God's spirit and there are forces and influences and voices from the world that want to take us down and drag us down into their perspective or their thought. What's clear is that the spirit of God is greater than the spirit of the world. The world offers toilet water. What God offers is true living water through his son, Jesus Christ. So when we place our life in Jesus, we are placing it in God's design and we are choosing God in that. And again, it's good and healthy to ask ourselves the questions of, am I choosing God? Like, is my heart affections towards God? And again, there's some smart people in this room just looking around. And I know that as you read through some of those scriptures where it talks about the allurement of status or this, the gratification of the flesh, I'm sure you can probably think in your own mind, your own life, like, what is it that is taking God's place in my heart? You probably know exactly what it is for your exact life. Part of that is the Holy Spirit working in your heart, revealing those things. And part of it is you just know you, you do. You know those deep areas that you have placed in front of God and before him, in place of him. So this morning, I want to just challenge us with a couple of things. We might be in a couple of different boats here. The first one might be, you realize that you're in a desert. You're in a, you're in a dry time of life, or maybe you've never truly taken that step and said yes to Jesus. You've been living life on your own, and you're in that desert, and you've been just settling for toilet water. You've been just sitting there like, I guess this is what life is, and just go on to the next toilet, the next toilet, the next toilet, and all those things, Right? You're like, man, like I didn't realize there was this life in Christ. Or for some of us, it might be like, I'm all in for Jesus, love it, good, amen. But yeah, I've taken some, some side trips to the bathroom every once in a while and, and taken some of that toilet water and, you know, tasted it and I don't know. Here's my thought and here's my challenge is allow the Holy Spirit for those of you who say yes to Jesus to reveal those things in your life, to reveal what has been placed before God. My challenge to those who are still navigating who Jesus is and taking that step, I want to say this. What in your life right now is everlasting that you're placing your hope in? Because I guarantee you it's nothing. The scripture says all the things of the world will pass away but it's only God and his word that will last forever. So my challenge would be, hey, let's take that step. Let's choose God. Let's say yes to him and let's live in a life as he designed, a life that is fulfilling, a life that is full of hope. That would be my challenge to you. So I wanna, I wanna just pray for us this morning as we take this time to close. So you wanna just bow your heads, close your eyes, and I want to just pray for encouragement, but also challenge, and just for the Holy Spirit to start to work on our hearts and our minds. Um, so Lord God, thank you so much for this time, Lord. Um, Jesus, we just come before you and confess that we 
have some things in our life that we have placed in front of you and in, in place of you, Lord. And we want to just come in repentance of that. And even right now in this moment, I want to just give us just like 10 seconds, just to allow the Holy Spirit just to maybe reveal some things that are in your life right now, that's in your heart, that you just need to confess and just bring to him. So just take a few seconds right now. God, you say that you are faithful to forgive when we confess our sins. So we want to do that right now. It's, it's a sin when we put things above you. If it's a certain status or a thought life or just an obsession over the next greatest whatever it is, Lord. Um, Jesus, we just bring that to you. We confess that of you. If it's a relationship, something that we've placed as our fulfillment, we just confess that as well to you, Lord. And we want to just claim the truth that you are our Lord and that you are God and we, and, we, and we choose you. For some of us in this room too, that might be just a, an opportunity to say yes to you for the first time. I want to just give you that space that if you're saying like, man, yeah, I want to just say yes to Jesus, choose God for maybe the first time or just to even just reestablish a life in my heart for God. Just, just raise your hand. I want to just pray for you um, within this moment. Amen. Amen. Lord, for, for some of us in this room that have raised our hands, I want to just pray this prayer of encouragement and also promise. And if you're in your, in your seat, just, just repeat this after me and just say, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your forgiveness. Thank you for your plan of salvation. And I confess that I've been doing it on my own and living a life in the desert. And I confess that I've been trying to be fulfilled by the world. But Lord, I want to take a step and choose you. I choose you as my number one. I choose you as my fulfillment. And I say yes to Jesus. I say yes to his death on a cross, his blood that was poured out for all of mankind. And I say yes to his resurrection that he conquered death so that we might have life. And Lord, I pray through your Holy Spirit that you encourage me every day to live in how you've designed, and that's a life choosing you. So God, thank you for your son. Thank you for your spirit. We pray this in your mighty, mighty name. Amen.